0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's Word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins and I have here my good friends Jeff Amstutz. Hey everybody. And Rob Greer. What up everyone? Okay, to those of you joining for the first time, we're glad you're here. If this isn't your first time listening, welcome back. Over the last few weeks, we've been going over chapter 2 of First Peter. Go back and listen to those episodes when you can. Today, we move into verses 18 through 25. Let's go ahead and check in with everyone before we dive in. Rob, how have you experienced God's truth this week?
1: Well, Will, you're one of the men who would know this. And this past weekend was my bachelor party. Mm. For those of you that are new to the podcast, I am uh, an engaged man. I'm getting married literally in two weeks from today. (laughs) Super excited to become a husband, to the most incredible woman I've I've met in my entire life. Super excited for that. But I think just the truth that I've experienced in short is just getting the to, to experience the encouragement of my brothers and getting to be built up through prayer and also just the fellowship of just believing in God and, and trusting in Jesus and his his work for us and and making us his his son. And so yeah, I mean Showered in love this past weekend, and that was really encouraging, and I'm excited for the future. I'm
2: excited for you, man. Hey, Jeff, how about you? I have been experiencing these last couple of weeks what it's like to have a sinful, falling apart body. <laughs> um, Got a doctor's appointment coming up this next week. Uh, I don't know what it is, but my... Biggest theory is that I might be experiencing gallstones. So Ooh. uh just I depend on God's sovereignty and how doctors are going to examine me, how they're going to diagnose me, uh, and ultimately whatever is wrong with my body. And I fully trust him in that. So, yeah, that's what I'm what's well, on top of my mind right now with with the truth of God is that he's sovereign over my own body and it's decay.
0: Mm. Thanks for sharing, Rob. Jeff. Do you feel like we would you like to pray for that?
1: Yeah, I'll pray for you, Jeff. Father, uh, God, you are a good dad, and we thank you for just um, Jeff's vulnerability to to share that with us and with with the listeners who are who are listening as well. Lord, we don't know exactly what's going on with his body internally, but you do, and so um, as Jeff mentioned, you're in control, God. You are sovereign. And we don't just say that um, with our lips, God, but we want to trust you and believe that no matter what the di- the diagnosis is, um, God, that we would trust that you would use this uh, to draw him closer to you and to ultimately give him a deeper faith and belief in you and to know that, um, as he said, his his body is, is not going to be something that he can take with him. God, it will be... Um, something that will continue to decay, but ultimately his faith will rest in you, which Mm -hmm. remains forever. And so God, would you bless that and would you use this opportunity to uh, bless others as well? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Thanks, Rob.
0: Yeah, man. got it. I love that. It's uh, the body will decay. Like that's a guarantee, but that faith endures forever. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that trust in the Lord. Yeah, over the past couple of weeks for me, I've just really had to um, take a look at the effects of my sin and how it's how it impacts others. Right. And so from my truth this week that I've experienced with God is that that confession and repentance of repentance of sin leads to freedom and ultimately a deeper love and trust in the Lord. And then even for the people around me, my community, my community, my friends, my wife. um, So that sin really does cause a distance you know, and puts up a wall and in, in between me and those other people. And the person I want that the least to happen to is my wife. So I've really had to examine myself over the past few weeks. It's been tough. Um, it's, I'm going to have my highs and lows, but I'm working through it. We're working through it. So, but yeah, ultimately that do feel some, I do feel at peace, uh, compared to how I've, how I felt before holding in some things. So open up everyone out there, <laughs> if you're holding on to something holding on to sin i promise you opening up talking to somebody whether that's a counselor or friends in your community who you trust who are gonna speak life into and speak jesus to you in truth um, it's worth it it's difficult but it's worth it amen thanks mm-hmm. for sharing Will. Mm-hmm. of course yeah god is good so thanks for sharing guys and let's go ahead and get into it so with that jeff can you kick us off with a recap of where we're at in first peter so far
2: yeah, the last couple of weeks we've been studying chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and the general theme has been uh, this epistle is written talking about our the work of God in our lives, the work of Christ, and how that changes our lives. And because our lives are changed because of God's work, uh, then we live as different people. We live as holy people. Uh, when you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for God's own possession— Uh, we look different. And part of how we look different is encountering things that we don't like in ways that are unnatural and unnaturally peaceful and naturally forgiving. And the text we're in today is following a paragraph we studied last time uh, with stuff that's really difficult to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's submitting to authority. We're going to get into that even deeper and a little bit of the why we are able to do that at all. It's because of Christ.
0: All right. With that, let's go ahead and dive in. Rob, can you read verses 18 through 25 for us? Yeah, sure. All right. So verse 18 says, servants,
1: be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit, When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now
0: returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, okay, well, right from the start in verse 18, what are some things that stand out to you immediately?
2: So for me, the b- big thing at the end of 18 is the crux of the spice of this verse. So servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, and then here it is, but also to the unjust. Man, what a, what a thought. Uh, un- unjust masters being those who do not treat their servants with respect. Their servants do good work and they do not treat them as if they did good work. So mm-hmm. the the simple definition of justice being to each getting their due. Yeah. And so when a, a good servant does a good job, mm-hmm. they should get good wages, good treatment, good respect for that work. Mm-hmm. And this is calling people who are in a position of service to someone else to serve people that they don't think deserve it. That's why I said earlier that the reason we need to be powered by the Holy spirit is because if you just respect people who you think deserve it, you are just like the world. You look no different. You're not actually being holy. And the entirety of what the rest of this paragraph hinges off of is that is sitting in this tension of there's someone you're thinking of right now. You're supposed to be serving and they don't deserve, you think they don't deserve it. Go serve that person and do it gladly as if you're serving God. <laughs> Oof, that's hard.
0: Do you, do you have an example of that that you'd <laughs> be willing to share?
2: Yeah. I've got a friend um, in our IMC, good friend of mine. Uh, I won't say his name, but uh, I will I will describe his story. Uh, he'd be willing to let me tell this. And he, uh, he experienced his wife walking out on him. They have a child together. And one day she said, I don't want to be married to you anymore and walked out. He actually... Went so far as to have an affair outside of the marriage and, uh, that affair bore a child in a weird set of circumstances. Like he's still on great terms with his ex-wife's parents and extended family and they live nearby and they hang out all the time. And so he sees this child that is from the affair that took his wife away from him and he loves that kid. Like he's his dad.
1: Hmm.
2: Talk about serving someone who doesn't have an ounce of deserving it and yet still loves and serves that kid and his ex-wife even, uh, in ways that, um, just the, the world would look on that and just be like, you're ridiculous. And he would tell you straight up. Cause I've heard him say it all the time. Uh, people on our MC other times. He's told those kinds of stories. That's the very generic version. Um, I've heard him to say like, yeah, but, but I have Christ. So like I, I have all I need so I can serve these people that I don't think deserve it. And, uh, that if there's no better example of the gospel than that, I don't know what is mm. like, like you're about to step into marriage and to think about that person who you've become one with saying I'm out. Uh, it, I remember us uh, sitting at Starbucks, um, as he was going through it. Cause I was, I was meeting with him regularly at, when it even before it started. And uh, we walked through the whole thing, um, even though it's technically not over. And uh, there's a passage in first Corinthians that talks about like, it's, it's Paul, you know, furiously writing to the church in Corinth that they are just being terrible to each other. And he talks about, Hey, if you have a spouse who's unbelieving and walks out on you, you should be faithful to your vows anyway. Because you never know if that will that faithfulness that displayeth faithful undeserved faithfulness will be the thing that shows them the gospel in the most genuine enough way that brings them back. Uh, it's it's an incredible thought. It's a high calling. We we know that if you're listening to this podcast and you've experienced divorce and and it's okay and to get remarried from a biblical perspective under certain circumstances, but the heart of it. So not just the mechanics of, am I allowed to do this or not, but the heart of it. uh, Christ is absolutely right when he says that those exceptions, it's not like those are good things. We're trying to deal with the effect of sin. We're trying to deal with someone sinned against you. And the idea of serving that person and loving that person who's basically your enemy, that's what Christ is calling you to do. That's hard, and that requires the Holy Spirit and community and God's word to be bathing your, your brain and your heart. But yeah, I mean, that's what Peter's getting at here. Serving the unjust.
1: Wow. Thanks for sharing. Jeff, that's, that's tough, man. And, and you know, I, I, I can't relate to that in, in, in a sense of being a married man and, and my wife walking out on me, but How I can relate to that story is just, I am a son of divorced parents Mm. who've unfortunately been remarried, both of them, three different times. Um, And so this isn't the same thing in terms of verse 18, but I guess just what I'm saying is like, you know, my parents, the way that this man treated a son that's not even his, you know, in the same way, but you know, I still love my mom and my dad. They're still my mom and my dad. And I want to respect them and and honor them as my father and mother. And that'll never change. And so just real quick for me personally, I had something similar, or I had something happen to me recently where my family basically used the compensation that I make make now against me. Hmm. And they don't know that I know that. And I had a conversation with my dad about it and I was just like, that's tough for me to hear because I didn't expect that to come out the way it did. And and that affected me in a way and it just hurt me. And so I just think that despite that, I wanted to continue to love my family that unfortunately used that in a way that was harmful. And this verse and what your story just represented is just kind of what that reminds me of. It's like, in verse 19 it says for this is a gracious thing when mindful of god one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly and that suffering can come from family can come from spouses friends you know i know it says be subject to your masters but this this applies to everyone yeah you know
2: yeah don't it, it it's important when reaping and so so reading examining and even applying texts like this not get hyper focused um only on the well this is a command to masters and and servants uh because the the heart of it is the same heart of christ it's not like you take a a like a worker and uh, overseer type relationship out and suddenly i don't have to serve that person anymore no you shouldn't when you love your enemy okay your enemy could be your employer yeah cool It also could be so many other people and don't miss the heart of that Mm. just because of that detail.
0: That's a good distinction. So essentially what you're saying is love your enemy at the, at the core of what he's saying here is love your enemy.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely 110% convinced. That's why Peter is saying this here is he's taking Jesus's statement of love your enemy and applying it to, Mm you know, masters and, and servants, specifically servants toward their masters. It's still a greater thing that Jesus called us to.
0: Yeah. Amen. Looking at verse 20, which says, for what credit is it? If when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. How do you guys unpack that? Uh,
2: the the passage that comes to mind for me, uh, there are probably several, but one is Romans 5, Um, Starting in verse 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's verse 8. The reason that comes to mind is because this saying, it is good for you to suffer for the unjust, because Christ died for you in like the most unjust thing that you've done, which is deny the God of the universe his worship, the whole reason he created you. Your sin has justly given you the penalty the, the wage of sin is death. You know, Paul says that in Romans three twenty-three. And so when Paul's saying that in Romans five, it's like your example is Christ dying for you when you didn't Earn an ounce of it. And so here, uh an uh, application of that I, example that, you know, Peter even gets on in into in the rest of uh this this paragraph, but it's when you endure suffering and you've done good, like you've loved that person, served that person, respected that person, and they still curse you, they still mistreat you, you, what you're doing is truly only serving God in heaven. Amen. Man, what a, that's actually a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, there's, that's so good, Jeff. There's a couple of verses I just want to share real quick, and they're in First Peter. Look at that. They're just in different parts of the book, but specifically First Peter four thirteen. it says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So kind of going back to your example, it's like you're, you're enduring the, the unjust treatment of that person while also loving them as Christ and kind of going back to what you said with the story of your friend who unfortunately is going through that with his his spouse is like, you know, he doesn't know that the Lord may use that and can use that to draw his wife yeah,
2: to himself. I can tell you he faithfully prays that all of the time, but he also faithfully trusts that God's going to do what he's sovereignly going to do.
1: Amen. And it's just so encouraging. Here's one, one more and I'll be done. First Peter four sixteen says, Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Like, as a follower of Jesus, even Jesus said this in John 16, like, In the world there will be trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Like Mm. you yourself as a follower of Christ, you're going to suffer. And part of that is suffering from
2: being treated unjustly. Oh man. Like you got all these thoughts and bring in my brain, Rob, (laughs) because you you went there, you decided to jump ahead in first Peter. Uh, I wrote this in your, your wedding card. So spoiler alert, you're going to find this in there, but it's first Peter four, eight. Oh man. For above all else. Love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. The everything you just said uh, with what you were referencing and how Christ has overcome the world, love covering sins is that Matt Carter, um, former pastor of preaching and founding pastor of the Stone, He now is at Sagemont Church in Houston. But when he was when he was teaching on this First Peter four eight, it was a great sermon where he just unpacked the idea of like whenever someone sins you have the most clear opportunity to demonstrate what love actually is. Um, Like, like biblical Christ like love because Christ like love is love for people who sinned against him. Mm. Christ is hanging on the cross for all these people that put him there. He's lovingly dying for people that killed him. Like it's a weird way to to think about it. Um, But that's, that's actually what the beauty of the gospel is, is this Christ not having to die uh, like because he did anything, but instead taking penalty for people that did deserve it. And that's just, that's love covering sin. And so the reason I wrote that in your wedding card, spoiler alert, everybody, this is what I wrote in Rob's wedding card <laughs> is that, yeah, you know, I've been married nine years. So I don't know everything. Um, but I will say that, that, that the truth of love covering sin has been probably the most foundational part of my marriage to Amy than anything else. And that's what this passage we're studying is covered in is love covering sins. Cause when, when someone sins, you don't like love them because you're like, Oh, they're a believer. So maybe they'll repent. No, you love and repentance is up to the Holy spirit convicting that person of their sin. It's not up to you. So if, They're an unbeliever and they sin against you. Love them. They're a believer. Love them and maybe rebuke them. Uh, It's it's the same answer.
0: Yeah. I've been learning something lately in some of the reading I've been doing, but it it's some of the things that I've learned are focused around the word love, right? And what I've learned is that love is a verb. It's an action. And so when you're saying love covers a multitude of sin, and if you're thinking of love in that in that context where it is an action, what actions would help cover that multitude of sin and what, hmm. what love can you display in action for your enemies?
2: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a,
1: is
0: that a question? Yeah, there are questions, they are statements, they're kind of all the above. Yeah. So if you feel, it, feel free to so answer. I'll,
2: I'll answer with Matt Carter's like summary of, of like where, what's the general bar, ballpark to be in? Because then all the interesting discussions are, how do I apply that to this particular situation with these particular people? Yeah. Um, without getting into that, the, the general ballpark is um, when someone sins, one, when we talk about righteous anger, the only reason you would have righteous anger is because there's true injustice that has happened. But righteous anger doesn't mean we can sin. But anger is, is a natural response we have to when sin happens. You know, sin brings death and chaos and, and evil and all these things. And uh, a bright response to that is to be angry. However, without self-control of the Holy Spirit, anger turns into more sin. So what love covering mm-hmm. sin does is break the cycle of sin causing more sin, causing more sin, causing more sin. <laughs> see, see the, the cycle yeah. there? So when you decide to respond to someone sin against you in love... You're saying, no, I'm not going to escalate this. Hmm. I'm like, this is done. Like sin is not going to grow because it now is going to come out of me. No, love is going to come out of me. Um, so yeah, lots of discussions to have about how that practically looks. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can be really diverse, but the, the, that's, that's the, that's the root of where it should be coming from is I don't want to see more sin on earth because someone sinned against me jesus and
1: we'll get into it in these next few verses like part of the action behind what you're asking will is you have to understand what the gospel means for you and what jesus has already done and so part of that is like like you said jeff do i want to add fuel to the fire of sin that's already been committed or do i want to say lord right now i'm very angry at the situation and rightfully so but i don't want to respond with my anger in a way that's going to put this person down Or make them even more angry, which leads to more sin and more Mm -hmm. sin and more sin. So part of that is like, you have to die to yourself. And I know we personally can't die for someone else's sin in terms of us covering that sin. Jesus did that already for us. Go and read Hebrews. But we die to ourselves by saying, Lord, right now, this is how I feel and I won't Part of me wants to respond in a sinful way, but I know that that wouldn't honor you or obey you. So let me bless this person by responding in a way that hopefully draws them closer to you.
2: Yeah. It's hard to see Jesus in you if you don't respond to hurt and being wronged mm-hmm. in the same way that he respond.
0: Yeah. Mm. And that's what I love about these next few verses 21 through 25 is it really paints that picture. It gives us that example Absolutely. You want me to reread it? Yeah, let's go ahead and reread it. We'll quickly unpack it and then, um, yeah, and then we'll start wrapping up. All right, here we go. So verse 21
1: says, for to this, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.
0: Something that stands out to me immediately based on what we just were talking about is the middle part. When he suffered, he did not threaten. We were talking about self-control.
2: Hmm. Yeah
0: right like wow that's a me if i'm feeling a certain way and you know there's there's certain people treating me a certain way or i have i have the ability to respond in a certain way how i respond to that matters right so and then my example here is i don't have to threaten i don't have to respond in haste or hurt or anything like that so in a sense it's telling it's telling me be mindful of how I feel, and I like what you were saying. Essentially, is go to God for Him to, you know, step into the situation, and not not feel like I have to be the one to fix something.
2: Yeah, uh, and and there's I think some boldness in there too. What comes to mind for me is, uh, um, in the Garden when Judas betrays Jesus, uh, there's that moment that <laughs> when they're coming that that Peter, the guy who wrote this epistle. Um, draws his sword and cuts the ear off of one of the guys. And Jesus's response is to say, no, Peter, this is my time. He heals the guy and then leaves with them. says, take me away. Hmm. That story, when it's talked about, I think always, if I, okay, this is kind of a retroactive thought. I always leave. I look back and oftentimes when talking about that, it's kind of left in this unfinished business state of the application of that is not, Oh wow, Jesus is really great. Yeah, that is. And you're called to do the same thing. So when someone is coming and being unjust toward you and you have a potentially justified response to, to meet that aggression to say, no, we, we we need to be like Christ and love this person Mm. who's being, who's aggressive. Sometimes it's, you know, create space. We're not, If there's like physical abuse or something, you know, one way to love that person is to put them out of reach of being able to continue to do physical abuse. Yep. But uh, there's this, whether it's you're in a group text and someone says something really crass or uh, you're sitting down at a restaurant and someone's just like gossiping or whatever, like call the boldness part is to say, no, as Christ followers, we, we don't talk like that. We should stop. Let's pray for that person or as I've gotten older, I'm 32 just so you know, going to be 33 in May. As I've gotten older, I've become more and more allergic to sarcasm Mm -hmm.
0: because we've talked about that so much. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Because at its best, you get a very transient laugh and at its worst, you are sinfully degrading someone else or something else uh, for your own superiority. It's just like, what a horrible trade like this little tiny transient laugh for just like trashing on the the institution of marriage or something like that. Like when mm. people sarcastically say things about their spouse, like I just I've I just really hate it. Um yes. I was actually in a group text today where someone like posted a video of some stand-up comic kind of like making a sketch out of his wife. Mm. And I was just like I just left that video really sad, but this time I actually like texted it. I didn't just think it and walk away. Mm. I said guys, this is not, this is not cool.
0: Yeah. There was a, there was a conversation recently with, uh, I was with a group of guys and one of the guys was talking about experience or something that him and his wife had gone and done or whatever. And then a question that came to somebody else like, Hey, have you done something in, similar to that? And he's like, he felt that, and if he did speak to that, it would dishonor his wife. And he said, I'm not going to dishonor my wife. Yeah. I, I, I kind of stopped. I was like, okay, like I, I, that sat with me and it still sits with me and it's like, yeah. okay. And if I'm in a conversation, I have to be mindful. How is this going to be portrayed for my wife? How are they going to view my wife? If I give into joking or being silly or whatever, sarcasm, just to kind of be funny in the moment. Yeah. It's just not worth it. No. And so that's an example just recently, you know, group of guys that can happen pretty easily. I think just to add to this real quick, I think one of the things and I'm thinking about this
1: even for myself You guys listening is just like, well, you guys just don't understand my situation and what I'm dealing with on a daily basis or whoever I'm encountering this unjust behavior from. It's like, you know, part of that is like how much of your time is being consumed with what Jesus's life represented and looked like. I mean, if you go back into the exactly
2: why I was smiling at you, Rob, because it's like the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is maybe you don't understand Jesus's situation. Exactly. I mean, it literally yeah. says in verse 21,
1: leaving you an example. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that you might fall in his steps. Like mm. what was Jesus always doing? Like, yes, he was serving the lost. He was serving the one who was not, he was serving the one that was underrepresented. Right. Or, He was always showing grace and and giving mercy to those who didn't deserve it. And so I just think in those moments, it's, it's, as we said in a few episodes ago, you know, it's the constant feeding yourself the truth of who God is growing up into salvation, which was in chapter two, verse two, I believe. And so anyways, it's so key that, you know, we follow in Jesus' footsteps in those moments where we feel like, man, it is incredibly difficult to love this person. But Jesus, in this moment, I need you to help me to love him or love her in a way that represents you so that they may know you through me. That's what I was thinking about. I was just, I wonder if there's that listener right now who's just like, you guys don't understand my situation. Well, Jesus understands your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think if he's called you to this, this
2: is definitely something you can walk in. And, and as we say this, we're not trying to run around and uh, condemn every joke that's ever been said. <laughs> uh, I think Paul famously said in 1 Corinthians 6 uh, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We're not saying this in, as, as a way to condemn or condone these things. What we're trying to do is say, examine your heart, examine your behaviors. And see, are they are they building you up? Are you becoming more like Christ as you look back on your life and how you th- even think about these things? Because the way you think about how you talk about a spouse, how you talk about a friend, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, the way you think about those things will ultimately add up to, are you moving towards Christ or are you moving away? And that's it. There's It's just toward or away. There is no side mm-hmm. skid. There is no, uh eh, it's you can look at your life and say, how is this adding up to worshiping God more by looking more like Jesus or not? And so that's what we're trying to say and not be condemnation police in, well, you told a joke. (laughs) Guess you're a sinner. That's not what we're trying to say. Yeah.
0: Something you made me think of is the... The thoughts that you think, right, can end up shaping how your heart feels, your heart posture, and then out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. So it's all connected. So I think it's important when there's something that happens when you are enduring suffering or seeing other people suffer, you can be quick to respond with your mouth or respond in some kind of action. It's stop, think, pray and then hopefully you build that habit to so where it does cha- cause actual heart
2: change. Re- reflexes. Mm-hmm. Building your spiritual reflexes. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, when you're learning a sport, like I remember uh, being a linebacker, I had to learn how to read your keys. So you watch a lineman and had to instantly know within about a second and a half, is this a mm-hmm. run play or a pass play? Yep. I didn't just show up one day uh, and got in the first practice and was like, cool, I already know these Instantly, no, you had to train those reflexes. And if I went out now, I'd be terrible because I haven't been up keeping <laughs> you haven't those. haven't done that. Yeah.
0: So my question then, as we, we kind of wrap up in this area is, how does the, the listener, how do we also train up those, those reflexes? How do we, how do we build ourselves up in a way that we can respond in a way that Jesus did? How can we follow his steps?
1: You study the word. You live in community. Mm-hmm. You pray for one another. And you also must share the gospel with each other. I think one of the, the coolest things about community, real quick, there's, there's, I believe it's Hebrews 3. It talks about today, encourage one another as long as it is called today. You know, because the deceitfulness of sin is the one thing that can lead you astray from following in Jesus's footsteps Mm. and just kind of going through these last few verses, just to wrap it all up, Peter just unpacks the gospel in such a clear way here. But verse 25, it says for you are straying like sheep, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Like he's reminding us believers because this is the, the truth of the gospel that we now, since Jesus himself took upon himself, our sin so that we might die to our sin and live to righteousness. Like we now are called to live in a way that mimics Jesus's, not reviling, you know, not threatening when suffered, entrusting ourselves to God mm-hmm. who judges justly like the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Like that's such a comforting thing to read because now that we are in this position as Christians, God is the one who's going to protect us and guide us and care for us and and point us in a direction of, this is how you obey me and follow me, is you look at my son. This is how you know who I am. This is how you know what I want for you, is you look to him. And I think that's just so encouraging to read, and it's super helpful for for moments like that where we experience unjust treatment from our masters.
2: I have one thing I want to add to that. Those things you suggested, Rob, prayer, community, reading your Bible, they're spiritual disciplines, so if you want resources on what those are, search a keyword, spiritual disciplines, uh, read Donald Whitney's book called the spiritual disciplines. It's great. And I think the word discipline is the key. If you feel distant from God, if you feel like your affections toward him are have all but worn out, mm. if you don't feel like you'd know or remember anything in your Bible, here's one thing to do. Get back to the disciplines. Discipline is not... Inspiration—it's not creative fun; it's discipline. You do it even when you don't want to do it. Like the theme of today is doing what you don't want to do. (laughs) And so, when you don't want to do it, when you don't want to do it, amen. Uh, And it's—it's amazing how when you do a discipline, even for a short amount of time, it turns into a habit. Mm -hmm. And what's a habit? A discipline that now you want to do. Yep. That I have to do, or else something's wrong. Like you, you go to the gym, like for four weeks straight, I guarantee you, anyone listening to this, you'll have some understanding of, wow, I feel weird if I don't go. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. Discipline turns into habit. So habit is when it turns into, I have to have it. I have to do it. <laughs> and Consistency. That's right. Start today. Like it says in Hebrews, if you have a day that ends in day, you have a chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great, y'all. I feel like y'all summarized this whole these whole verses pretty well. Is there anything that you want to add on to this as we summarize and as we close? For myself,
1: I'm speaking to myself, but also to you listener. And trust yourself to him who judges justly in these moments. It's so I understand it's difficult in those moments to to respond with respect and, and, and love and mercy towards that person, but and trust yourself to God who judges justly and understand that even though you're experiencing that it's worth it. You know, it's worth the enduring of that because at the end of the day, what matters is you're honoring the Lord and hopefully in the process, drawing that person to Jesus.
2: It can be difficult, but it's not complicated. Hmm. <laughs>
0: I need to get that on a shirt or something because <laughs> you, when you say that, I'm like, yep, it's hard,
2: it's but hard. it's, it's not complicated.
0: Jeff, would you mind closing us just in a really quick prayer?
2: Yeah, for sure. Lord, we are grateful for you being a good, just, just glorious God. The one true God, the creator of the universe, the one who created us and uh, who you've revealed yourself to us and to some of our listeners, those that you've called, and to your marvelous light. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for these men. You've given us to each other, uh, to to build each other up. Um, You've empowered them by the Holy Spirit to remind us of the teachings and the works of Christ, ultimately the works that you've done, God, in all of our hearts. And we're just so thankful for that. We ask that these things that uh, we have said tonight um, be ones that are as strong in action and in our heart as from our as they were from our mouths when we said them. Mm-hmm. Lord, we know those truths are plain as day that you've shown us. So we desperately need your help, Holy Spirit, to give us self-control, to fight temptation, to sin, and ultimately obey uh, as we've been called to. So Lord, be with us, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Well, guys, um, to all those who listened, we hope that you were encouraged and equipped in truth today. And if you enjoy what you've <clears throat> and if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share this podcast so that way others can be encouraged and equipped in God's truth as well. So some exciting news. We're going to be jumping into a new series and we're going to be jumping back into systematic theology. So next episode, be on the lookout for that. And as always, thanks for listening to the Culture of Truth podcast. Until next time.